You're listening to A Show of Hearts, the podcast about finding the courage to live a deep and magical life. I'm your host, life coach, Rosemary Pritzker. In today's episode, I'll be leading you in the Tibetan Buddhist meditation practice of Green Tara, the Great Mother. You can think of it as kind of a sacred goddess practice, designed to get us in touch with the divine feminine. I began learning this about a month after I graduated high school, in the summer of 2000, when I did a two-week Green Tara retreat with my teacher, Tukusanga Krimpache. Since then, I've done Green Tara practice with my Sangha, or spiritual community, based in Montana, many times, and have done it countless times on my own as well. So this practice is very close to my heart. Part of why I wanted to share it with you is because it's one of the tools I've used to center myself in order to more effectively follow my heart in life. It's allowed me to sort of commune with the divine, get my head on straight, and drop more deeply into my heart. Centering in this way is incredibly helpful in the pursuit of knowing yourself feeling your own power, and listening to the intuitive guidance system within you. There have been times where I've really been struggling, usually with health problems, where I can turn to this practice and feel empowered and get a sense of solace in that connection with the divine feminine. It's also allowed me to go more deeply into connecting with my lineage, which has been passed down from one lama to another for thousands of years. This ancient wisdom still has its place today because humans are humans, and we still suffer with a lot of the same basic issues of living everyday life. So these are tried and true principles that can help just about anyone. Another reason I wanted to share this practice is because Tibetan Buddhism is kind of complex, and it can be challenging to find any really good quality guidance or materials for newer practitioners, which makes it a little hard to break into and I wasn't finding much of anything that I could refer people to. When I've done online searches to try to find more information or instruction on Green Tara, I wasn't able to come up with much, and I wasn't really connecting with the few books I've found. So most of what I share in this episode, I learned directly from two people. The first is my mom, whose Tibetan name is Lama Tsomo. She speaks Tibetan and is an ordained Lama, which is something similar to a minister or rabbi. She's also the author of the book, Why is the Dalai Lama Always Smiling?, which is an introduction to Tibetan Buddhism for Westerners. The other person I learned some of this information from is Namchak Ken Rinpoche. He's the brother of my teacher, but he is an accomplished scholar and teacher himself. Now, I want to give a little disclaimer, which is that I'm not ordained or certified in any way. So what I'm teaching here is just coming from my own experience and what I've learned from my teachers. But if you want to go deeper, you'll want to seek out a more qualified instructor. 
I'll get more into that at the end and leave you with some resources. What you'll hear in this episode today was recorded in a class I taught to a small group of people in my living room. First, I gave a talk explaining what was going on, how it works, and why one would want to do green tar practice. And then we dove in and actually did it. But before we get started, I'd love to share the review of the month. This one is from Raphael. He wrote, Touching. An absolute gem of a podcast with heartfelt moments and inspiring stories. I highly recommend it. Thank you, Raphael. And if you want to be featured as the review of the month, head over to iTunes and give a five-star review, and be sure to leave your name. And now, let's dive into the episode. So uh, the practice we're going to do tonight is to Green Tara, who is a deity in Tibetan Buddhism who's regarded as the great mother, the mother of all Buddhas. She's also referred to as the great liberator. So Green Tara was a princess, actually, in Sri Lanka a really long time ago. We actually don't know how long ago. And her name was Yeshe Dawa. Dawa means moon. Yeshe is like a form of wisdom. And yeah, she was Mahayana Buddhist. And she lived at the same time as Amitabha, who was the Buddha of limitless light and life. And she was actually his benefactor. She would give food and whatever else to him and his monks. And some of his students would say to her frequently, oh, you know, you're getting such good karmic merit for helping all these people. You should pray really hard to come back as a man so you can reach enlightenment. And her response was to become very determined to reach enlightenment as a woman and to keep coming back, keep reincarnating, to help as many beings as possible to reach enlightenment and to keep reincarnating as a woman. And not only is this my favorite practice and has been for a really long time, but I also feel like it's really important right now with what's going on in the world where the patriarchy seems to kind of be rearing its head. (laughs) And uh, there's a lot of Buddhist feminism, I would sort of say, around Green Tara. So it seemed like the right thing to be bringing forth right now. And yeah, so I first started doing this practice pretty much exactly 19 years ago in a two-week retreat with my lama and what was the beginnings of a sangha, a Buddhist community in Montana, where he taught us all about her, taught us details about the practice and her life and all kinds of stuff. Then what was that tiny little group of people sort of mushroomed into this huge thriving community that's there now that since then has built this place called the Garden of a Thousand Buddhas. It was meant to be like basically a pilgrimage site now that most Tibetan people can't live in Tibet and have built, you know, be where the pilgrimage sites there are. So it's uh, it's called the Garden of a Thousand Buddhas because there are literally a thousand three-foot-high Buddha statues in the shapes of like the spokes of a wheel around this giant 24-foot-high central figure of Yumchenmo, which is another great mother figure who's actually an emanation of Green Tara. The temple there, which is where all of the like retreat, retreats and workshops and teachings and stuff happen, is a Tara temple. So if anyone listening ever finds themselves in Montana, definitely go check out the Garden of a Thousand Buddhas. I mean, there's like 
a constant stream of people stopping there to check it out all day, every day. And it's really beautiful and just so powerful. Anyway, um, so yeah, so Green Tara started out as a princess, um, did uh, reach enlightenment or became a bodhisattva, which basically is someone who um, kind of stops just short of reaching enlightenment and dissolving into the ocean of existence, stops just short so that they can keep coming back and helping people to free themselves. And so in that sense, she has immense compassion. It was said that she liberated a thousand people every day before breakfast. (laughs) So she was busy. Um, Yeah. And uh, her name as the princess, as I said, was Yeshedawa. And then once she became the Bodhisattva, became Green Tara, the the Tibetan name for for Green Tara is um, Jetsundroma. So this practice is considered a deity practice. Um, Tibetans are known for doing deity practice. It's kind of one of the hallmarks of Tibetan Buddhism. And it's really drawing on archetypes. So you may have heard of archetypes in like the Jungian sense of like, you know, you might have heard it as like the warrior, the priestess, etc. Like each, each one of them has a different, you know, name and configuration and whatever. Um, but, you know, they're basically seen as these like principles of reality. A good example is the great mother. So we see our mother as the great mother, because that's like our mother is our point of reference. But that great mother feeling is, you know, a principle of reality that is kind of imbued in everything. These archetypes are everywhere. For example, you know, we went from monarchy to then a new system, you know, democracy, obviously, where we still needed to have that point of reference of like this archetypal whatever to look up to, that need for something like that to turn to is like so ingrained in us. And I think that it's part of, you know, the whole usually unconscious desire to have something to remind us that there's something higher, that we're not separate. Yeah, so basically we turned from the monarchy to Hollywood for that. But like Hollywood and like all the movies that we watch and the the actors and actresses we pay attention to and the the awards shows that they go to and whatever, um, it's not actually like filling that deep need for like, I would say like reverence or also just like kind of answering our questions about the universe or it's good to still have something deeper to turn to which different wisdom traditions have these different archetypes christians have jesus and the virgin mary and in tibetan buddhism they've got these deities there's tons and tons of different deities and green tara is one of them they believe that these archetypes are in everything because nothing is separate. I know that sounds like kind of like vague and like, what does she mean by that? So one way to think of it is like, imagine this like vast ocean that represents 
everything in the universe and beyond. And then we thinking that we're separate are really just these waves on that ocean. And like the, the waves eventually go back into the ocean and are always part of it. They're never separate from it. So that's like us as part of that greater ocean. And just like that, the, the mother archetype is one thing that's like in the soup of that ocean. So if that's the case, then green Tara is in there too. So there's nowhere and no thing in which green Tara isn't, if that makes sense. Yeah, so that archetype of the great mother is everywhere, including in us. So in green Tara practice, which is a deity practice, we imagine ourselves as, as the archetypal image of green Tara to bring that out of ourselves while also paying homage to an outside version of her. So like imagining ourselves as green Tara and imagining a version of green Tara in front of us too. So I'm her, but I'm also paying homage to her. It's both because um, the principle of the great mother is everywhere. It's in me, it's in front of me, it's all around me actually. So yeah, so we use these archetypal images in order to feel the quality and presence of the archetype themselves. And this is something that I've felt, you know, like I'm going about my life as like a regular old human thinking I'm all separate and all. And <laughs> then I go to do green tar practice and it's like, oh, there's this whole other thing that I'm like not even noticing as I'm like in my daily life. Um, like I sit down and imagine becoming her and like there's so much power in that. And we've got these super active imaginations and Tibetan Buddhists like to really utilize that, like making use of our wild imaginations and emotions and bringing all of that onto the path of enlightenment. So like directing it in a way that serves a purpose that's like ultimately the purpose is to like liberate us from the suffering of feeling that separation. So we're basically using these archetypes to piggyback on them to remind us of the ocean that we are all a part of. But we have, we have trouble remembering we're part of this ocean. Um, there were not, there were not just the waves. And if we didn't have trouble remembering that, we'd all be enlightened already. <laughs> That's kind of how that works. So deity practice is one of the hallmarks of Vajrayana or Tibetan Buddhism. And the goal is to help us to get pure vision. So we see things in this super confused way. We don't really know how to like clean the windshield on our own in order to get clarity, to see clearly. Um, so we use deity practice, working on the archetypal level as a bridge for our complex minds. So like taking our monkey mind and our tendency for complex thoughts 
you know, like our mind is kind of like this like supercomputer that's like super active all the time and it wants to think about stuff. So rather than like trying to make our minds go blank, <laughs> we use these practices to turn our mind towards the path of enlightenment rather than on rumination and misery and grasping at stuff. And these are really efficient methods honed over a really long time by masters who were coming from that place of not being separate from the whole ocean. So if I'm ever feeling disempowered in whatever way, I can use deity practice as a really good antidote to that because it's an opportunity to remind ourselves of our power, of our divinity, of our connectedness. But we need that bridge to the divine from the complex reality we're used to to remember we're all one enlightened mind, basically. So I want to kind of give you a bit of an overview of like the sort of progression of events uh, in this practice that we're about to do. So if you imagine welcoming an illustrious guest, then this practice starts to make a lot more sense. So imagine like Nelson Mandela or Gandhi or the Dalai Lama in this case, since it's Tibetan Buddhism we're talking about, let's just use the Dalai Lama as an example. So you imagine you invite the Dalai Lama to come and then, you know, he comes, you open the door, you welcome him in, you offer him all sorts of lovely, wonderful things. You praise him and you might even make a request of him. That's what's happening here. So you'll see these stages of inviting, welcoming, offering praise, and you know, making requests. You'll see these stages in all Tibetan deity practice. So in this practice, we're gonna, at various points, visualize ourselves as Green Tara. For those listening, if you're on my website, there's gonna be a photo there of her. If you're listening through like Apple Podcasts or somewhere else where you can't see an image of her, it'll be, both on my website and on all of my social media, all of which is at a show of hearts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the things. So see if you can find that image. And if for whatever reason you can't find it on any of my places, just Google Green Tara and you'll see a picture of her. So throughout the practice, we visualize ourselves as Green Tara, this like green goddessy great mother woman with the right foot sticking out, actually has green skin. And uh, we are becoming empowered by becoming this deity. And there are different deities associated with different qualities. And they're all qualities that we have deep inside of us that we haven't been able to bring up out of the basement for whatever reason. So we're using this to bring those qualities out. Like for example, compassion. In the case of Tara, that's one of the things that we're bringing out. So another thing I want to talk about is mantra, which mantras are sound formulas that are connected to specific aspects of reality. So great masters who were much more awake than us put together particular sound formulas for specific effects that if you pay really, really close attention, you can actually feel in your body. Like the heart syllable is hung, 
which if you like sit still and close your eyes and pay attention to the sensations in your body and then say, hung, you'll feel that like resonating in your chest. So the Tara mantra connects us to the great mother principle. That's what that sound formula was designed for. In this practice, there's various different mantras and, and other you know things that we're chanting. The first thing that I'm going to chant is this very well-known thing called the seven-line prayer that is at the beginning of a lot of different practices. And it's a way to call the enlightened presence of this guy, Guru Rinpoche. The Tibetan is Guru Rinpoche. The Sanskrit is Padmasambhava. He was the guy that brought Buddhism from India to Tibet and then worked with this king, the, the king of the time in Tibet, uh, Trisung Detsun, worked with him to combine Buddhism that he'd brought from India with the pre-Buddhist religion of Tibet called Bun. I'll talk more about that after after we do the practice. Um, so that's that's who Guru Rinpoche is, the, the one who brought Buddhism to Tibet. So that's what that first thing you're going to hear me chanting is. And again, that's to call his presence in. And then the same with this other thing that you'll hear towards the end called the 100 syllable mantra, which is to this guy Vajrasattva. And he's all about cleansing and like wiping the windshield, basically. And you don't have to remember all of this stuff that I just said. I'm just saying it like so that you have these examples of like, oh, okay, so these are some of the different kinds of things that mantra is used for in the context of an actual practice. It's a formula, you know, for alchemizing the mind, really. So the heart of this practice is this part where I'll be calling out the names of the 21 Taras. So there are 21 different versions or emanations or whatever of Tara. They're different colors. They have different qualities. Some are wrathful, like that mama bear fierce quality I was talking about earlier. Some are about generosity and bounty. Some are extremely attractive, others totally ferocious. They all serve their own different important purpose. And this practice is calling out and praising each of them, the 21 of them. All right, so just take a moment to get comfortable. So just take a breath and let it go gently. And just start to let your body and your breath relax. With each breath, your body becomes more and more relaxed. As we practice, make sure you're not trying too hard. Just do your best and sort of just let go. Make sure there's a sense of ease. So 
So now imagine that you are part of this vast ocean. See if you can bring up that feeling of the vast ocean. And this ocean is completely compassionate and so loving. This ocean is aware. It's the source of everything. It's all compassionate and all loving because it's the generator of everything. Immerse yourself in the feeling of that compassionate intent as the ocean. And let your breath be gentle and natural. Keep feeling that immense compassion as the ocean. Keep feeling yourself as part of this ultimately compassionate, ultimately loving, vast ocean. Out of this ocean, you arise as Green Tara. So imagine yourself as this green-skinned lady sitting cross-legged but with your right leg kind of sticking out in front of you a little bit. And don't worry about having the image of her be perfect. It's more about the feeling. So here you are embodying Green Tara. And see if you can bring up a sense of faith in her in recognizing this principle of reality of the vast ocean and her as part of it. Feel the power and the truth of that. So now, continue to visualize yourself as Green Tara, and I'm going to start singing and chanting a bunch of stuff. Uh, do not worry at all about not understanding what I'm saying. It's not necessarily meant to be understood. It's meant to be felt. So just let the feeling of it wash over you and uh, work its magic on you, alchemize you. Think of it as sacred sound. Hungo genu genup chong sam pemages adung pola yat sanchuk king o drupne 
Femajung neshe sudrak, Kodu kondromon pukko, Chachi jesudag drubji, Jinji lobshir shek susol, Kuru pema sidi hung, Hung ojen yulji nub chong sam, Pema gezadong pola, Yatsen shuking udrubje, Pemajung neshe sudrak, Kodu kondro mon pukko, Chachi jesudag drubji, Jinji lobshir shek susol, Kuru pema sidi hung, Hung ojen yulji nub chong sam, Pema gezadong pola, Yatsen shuking udrubje, Pemajung neshe sudrak, Kodu kondro mon pukko, Chachi jesudag drubji, Jinji lobshir shek susol, Kuru pema sidi hung. I'm just going to say that in English so you guys have a little bit of an idea. Hung, in the northwest of the country of origin, in the pollen heart of a stemmed lotus, endowed with the wondrous supreme Sidi, you are renowned as the lotus born, surrounded by a retinue of many dakinis. I follow in your footsteps. Please approach and grant your blessings. Guru Pema Sidi Hung. In the sky in front of me appears the accomplished, transcendent conqueress, inseparable from my lama. Kie, from the mandala of the hand of protector Amitabha, whence arose from the eye of the lord of the world, Avalokiteshvara, the swift mother, the source of an ocean of dakinis. Twenty-one emanations of the conqueror's compassion, the glorious swift mother, the activity of all victorious ones. To my lama, lord protector, inseparable from all enlightened ones, I prostrate and pray that you bestow blessings and empowerment. Namo, to Venerable Mother, the essence of the ocean of refuge, I go for protection until I reach the heart of enlightenment. May all sentient beings, drowning in the ocean of suffering, accomplish the state of the Mother Aryatara. Namo, to Venerable Mother, the essence of the ocean of refuge, I go for protection until I reach the heart of enlightenment. May all sentient beings, drowning in the ocean of suffering, accomplish the state of the Mother Aryatara. Namo, to to Venerable Mother, the essence of the ocean of refuge, I go for protection until I reach the heart of enlightenment. May all sentient beings drowning in the ocean of suffering accomplish the state of the Mother Aryatara. Ho, Mother Aryatara and all the victorious ones and their heirs. I prostrate, make offerings, and confess negative actions and transgressions from my heart. I rejoice in virtue and invoke the Buddhas to remain and teach the Dharma. I dedicate the accumulation of merit to attaining the state of the Exalted Mother. O Ma Hung, in the completely pure realm of Yuloko, a ray of turquoise leaves, in the center of an ocean filled with the clouds of Samantavajra's offerings. Tam, instantly upon recollection, I appear as the perfect form of Mother Aryatara, Clearly, in the three places, forehead, throat, and heart, appear three Vajra letters, Om, Ah, Hung. So now I'm going to pause here and just explain. So what we're going to visualize now is, basically, you have two options here. You can keep just visualizing yourself as Green Tara, if what I'm about to explain is a little too complex. (laughs) Or you can do this next visualization, which is, so you as Tara imagine light rays coming from your heart, going out in every direction as far as 
you know, basically out into infinity. And these light rays go way, way, way out, and then they call forth the ultimate, most empowered, most wise version of Tara who appears in front of you. So now you've got yourself as Tara and Tara in front of you. Here we are as Green Tara. And we're about to imagine the light rays coming from our heart, shooting out in all directions, way out into infinity, calling forth this powerful version of Green Tara. So just imagine that as I say this next part. From the heart, light rays radiate to all the victorious ones and their heirs, invoking the form of Aryatara, with 21 emanated goddesses who, dancing in delight, appear real and perfectly clear to my senses. And then this next part is what's called a mandala offering. Um, so as I'm saying this next part, you can just imagine that you're offering to her all of the most wonderful things in the universe, especially all of the most wonderful things you have. And again, um, keeping in mind that idea that you're offering this to this illustrious guest that you've invited. So, Omahung, together with the ocean and clouds of real and imagined offerings, I offer the mandala of my body, enjoyments, and collection of virtue. May I and all beings gather the accumulations and purify obscurations. From now until the heart of enlightenment is reached, may we never be separated from the compassion of the Exalted Mother. Okay, so this next part is the real heart of the practice. This is where I'm going to be calling out the 21 names of Tara. It's a really long chant that is first recited two times in a row. Then I go back to do that mandala offering we just did. Then I recite this 21 Tara praises um, three times, go back to the mandala offering, and then I recite this seven times. Um, that's how this practice was uh, designed to be done. It's part of the magic. And while I'm singing this, just imagine yourself as basically like supplicating to her as if you're asking her for help for whatever's going on in your life, what, you know, ailments you have, whatever's going on that you would need help with, as if you're like a child calling out to its mother. And you know, you're calling out to the version of Tara in front of you that you're visualizing. Um, you're still also Tara, but that's sort of an afterthought you don't really need to think about. You're just really focusing on the Tara in front of you, supplicating to her and bringing forth that sense of, of faith in her. There have been plenty of times when I've been doing this practice where I'll suddenly break down into tears, either like during the part where I'm visualizing myself as Green Tara and it's like kind of reminding me of my power, which I may have kind of forgotten about for a while, or during the part where I'm imagining her in front of me and, like I said, supplicating to her as if, like, you know, sort of like a child reaching for their mother asking for help. It, if I'm really struggling with something in my life, that can feel really powerful. So if you find yourself getting really emotional during this practice, uh, that's totally normal.
Jawa kunji changa tuke kyawe yamgyo maluk kyawe trinle kundru man yo ma pomo yang chen madam sodnam chokte namgyarik che marang chikche ma shanji mitub shanle gyodong sangden nanji droma jikten sungya noten ma tashi donze drapung dromze trokne denze rabji madang barwe ojen ma pagmen nun ma ma jachen ma mi pam kyamo Ritrod madang od zechen madu Rokun sitzol edromakie samdun Dribzud dakyan kyolare o jetsun ma So that was one. Jawa kunji changa tukye kyawe yumgyo malu kyawe trinle kundru man yor ma pomo yang chen madam sodnam chokte nam gyarik che madang chikche ma shanchi mitub shanle kyodang sangden nanji droma jikten sumgya noten ma tashi donze drapung dromze troknyer denze rabshi madang barwe chen ma pakme nun ma manja chen mo mi pam gyama ritrod madam so back to the mandala offering and imagining, you know, offering her all of these wonderful things. O Ma Hung, together with the ocean and clouds of real and imagined offerings, I offer the mandala of my body, enjoyments, and collection of virtue. May I and all beings gather the accumulations and purify obscurations. From now until the heart of enlightenment is reached, may we never be separated from the compassion of the Exalted Mother. Jawa kunji changa tuke gyawe yumgyo maluk gyawe trinle kundru man yor ma pomo yang chen madam sodnam chokte nam gyarik che madang chikche ma shanji mitub shenle gyodong sangden nanji droma chikten sumgyan norten ma tashi donze drapung drumze trokne denze rabji madang barwe o chen ma pagmen nun ma macha chen ma mi pam gyamo ritrod madang odze chen ma du Jawa kunji changa tuke gyawe yumgyo maluk gyawe trinle kundrup ma nirma pama yang chen madam sodnam chokte nam gyarik che madang chikche ma shanji mitub shenle gyodang sangden nanji droma jikten sumgyan norten ma tashi donze drapung dromze troknir denze rabji madang barwe o chen ma pangmen nun ma maja chen ma mi pam gyama ritrod madang odze chen ma du drokun sitso le droma kye so now back to the mandala offering. O Ma Hung, together with the ocean and clouds of real and imagined offerings, I offer the mandala of my body, enjoyments, and collection of virtue. May I and all beings gather the accumulations and purify obscurations. 
from now until the heart of enlightenment is reached, may we never be separated from the compassion of the exalted mother. And one thing I wanted to add before I do this next recitation that is going to be longer, it's going to be seven times, is just with with everything going on in the world and how, um, you know, I was saying earlier about how the patriarchy's really been rearing its head lately, if we can use this practice to flood the world with more feminine energy, but like the like powerful, ultimate mother, ultimately powerful, kind of fierce, but like truly ultimately loving, compassionate, feminine energy, um, that's part of what we're doing here too. So... Jawa kunji changa tu ke kyawe yimgyo malu kyawe trinle kunru man your ma pomo yang chen madam so nam chokte nam gyarik je madang chik je ma jenji mi tub chen le kyo dang sang den nanji troma chik ten sum gyo no ten ma tashi dun ze drapung drum ze truk nyer den ze rabji madang barwe o chen ma pag men nun ma ma ja chen mo mi pam gyo mo richrod madang o ze chen ma tu troku Chawa <laughs> 
Jawa kunji chenga tuke gawe yamgyo malu gawe trinle kundrup mon yama pama yang chen madam sodnam chokte namgyo rikje madang chikje ma jenji mitub shenle gyodang sengnen nanji droma jikten sumgyo norten ma dashi donze drapum drumze chuknya denze ramji madang barwe ojen ma fagmen nun ma maja chen ma vipam gyama richard madang odze chen ma du drokun sitso le drama kesam dun drumze dakyang kila Jawa kunji chenga tuke gyawe yungyo malu gyawe trinle kundrup man yama pomo yang chen madam sodnam chokte nam gyarik je marang jik je ma jenji mi tub shenle gyodang senden nanji droma jik chen sum gyonoten ma Tashi donze drapung rumze trokner denze rabji madang barwe ojen ma pagmen nun ma maja chen ma mi pam gyamari tron madang odze chen ma du drukun sitso le dromake samdun rumze takyang kilare ojen ma. from the mandala of the hand of protector Amitabha, whence arose from the eye of the Lord of the world, Avalokiteshvara, the swift mother, the source of an ocean of dakinis, 21 emanations of the conqueror's compassion, the glorious swift mother, the activity of all victorious ones, to my lama and Lord protector, inseparable from all enlightened ones, I prostrate and pray that you bestow blessings and empowerment. So for this next part, Imagine that the version of Tara that's in front of you now comes and places herself above your head, facing forward. And then out of her comes what we're referring to as the empowerments, all of these you know powerful qualities that she possesses. The, the visualization that I'm going to be doing is a little bit complicated, so I think what I'm just going to have you guys do is just imagine coming out of her is this like kind of golden liquid. It's basically wisdom nectar called Amrita. So just imagine the green tar above you has this golden wisdom nectar pouring down into you, completely filling you. And take a minute to do that while I'm reciting this next part. And then imagine her dissolving, um, kind of pouring down in through the top of your head. So she dissolves into you and fills you. And so now you are the version of Tara that you had imagined yourself as before that is also filled with and imbued with the ultimate powers of the ultimate version of Tara you, that was coming from the outside. So, I prostrate and pray that you bestow blessings and empowerment. From the exalted teacher's three places, white, red, blue, yellow, light rays, radiate sequentially. They dissolve into my four places. I obtain the four empowerments. Aryatara joyfully dissolves into light, then into myself. I appear clearly as the accomplished transcendent conqueress. Look upon the absolute noble mother, the unity of lucidity and emptiness. And as I'm saying that, there are peacocks calling in the background, which is very interesting. In, uh, in Tibetan Buddhism, they use peacock feathers a lot because they're this symbol of, according to them anyway, peacocks can eat 
all kinds of different things that are supposedly poisonous and it doesn't harm them. And in fact, it ends up making their feathers more colorful. And peacocks are totally my spirit animal, at least right now. And so I really like that image. Now, you are Tara, this like ultimately powerful version of Tara. You're kind of glowing with this very pure power and just full of compassion and love. So now we're going to sing together if you guys want to join me. So we're going to sing the Green Tara Mantra, which is very short. I promise it is mercifully short. If, if you guys want to join me, you don't have to. Um, so um, I'm just going to recite it once so you can hear it, and then I'll quick teach it to you. So the words are Om Tare Tutare Ture Soha. So Om Tare Tutare Ture Soha. Om tare, tu tare, tu re soha. Om tare, tu tare, tu re soha. Om tare, tu re soha. So, om tare, tu tare, tu re soha. Let's do it one more time. Om tare, tu tare. So I'm just going to sing it and um, just let me sing it through a few times on my own so you can hear it. And then if and when you're ready, you can join in. Om tare tu tare tu re soha. 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 
So this next part I mentioned uh, in the beginning of, um, it's just more archetypal sound. It's called the hundred syllable mantra. It's to Vajrasattva who is about uh, like cleansing and purifying. Om Pemasato Samaya Manupalaya Pemasato Tenopa Titi Didu Mabua Sutokaya Mabua Supokaya Mabua Anuracto Mabua Sava City Mapriata Savakama Sutame Siram Shrim Kruhung Ha Ho Bagawan Savatatakata Peme Mamemunsa Pemepa Mahasamaya Sato Om Pemasato Samaya Manupalaya Pemasato Tenopa Titi Didu Mabua Sutokaya Mabua Supokaya Mabua Anuracto Mabua Sava City Mapriata Savakama Sutame Siram Shrim Kruhung Ha Ho Bagawan Savatatakata Peme Ho, before the exalted mother, I confess the mass of my impurity and faults. With my completely pure three doors, I enter the path of timeless awareness. I dedicate the assembly of virtue of three times within basic space. May I quickly attain the state of the unity of the Noble Mother. Until enlightenment is reached, may there be the auspiciousness of never being separated from the compassionate protector of my Lama, Venerable Mother. So I'm going to end the official practice there. It can be much, much longer, but we'll leave it at that. And then what we end every Tibetan practice with is um, dedicating the merit of the practice to um, uh, dedicating the the karmic, um, like positive karmic accumulation that we've acquired by doing this practice to the enlightenment of all beings. So I'm going to say it in Tibetan and then I'll repeated in English. Gewa di nirdudak ujin lama drupjone droa jikyang malupa dei sala gopa sho. By this virtue, having swiftly accomplished the lama of origin, may I bring all beings without exception to that level. And then I'm just going to sing my, my lama, my, uh, my teacher's long life prayer. His name is Tuku Sangha Krimpache. Om Swati Jawa Chunyang Yashe Drimetru Drimeling Peyang Sirap Drukpa Kochen Jalchu Sangak Tenzin Chuk Kutse Tak Tenzetrin Rabjeshu. Next, I checked in with the audience and asked them to share their experience and ask any questions. Here's what the first person, Liz, had to say. All right, so the first mantra that you sang, I felt uh, sensations, vibrations. Um, I felt my nervous system working, and I felt my like my head like just just like a powerful activation going through my body. Before I got confirmation about this event, um, I did a little bit research and I started doing the mantras, and I started to notice after the mantras, I was having things come up. But like uh, synchronicities and uh, good fortune and and I was meeting people and just um, I guess uh, what's another word for it Co- coincidence like good coincidence I guess. So it's funny you're saying this because just last night I was saying to somebody that at times in my life where I'm doing more um, like practice whether it's Tibetan practice or whatever where I'm like really um, dropping into that like those like spiritual feelings of like grace and awe and that kind of thing. And just like focusing on that part of my life more. 
all of a sudden, all kinds of synchronicities start to happen in my life and things start falling into place and the people I need to meet show up. And um, I start like literally seeing signs and, you know, uh, the more I the more practice I do and the more I focus on that area of my life, the more that stuff happens. So, yeah, that's great. Keep with it. Liz also said that the long chant I did at the end was really powerful for her. So she wanted to know more. The the thing that I chanted right after the Om Tare Tu Tare Ture Soha, right after that, the thing that I was saying really fast, that's the hundred syllable mantra to Vajrasattva. Vajrasattva, as I said, is used for cleansing and purifying and clearing. Um, and he, uh, that hundred syllable mantra of his is thrown into a lot of Tibetan practices, usually towards the end, in case, um, you know, you didn't, totally 100% do the practice right, or in case your motivation wasn't 100% pure 100% of the time, which is likely because we're humans, we're not totally enlightened. So you use that to kind of cleanse any anything that came out of that. Yeah, and so in that sense, like there are a lot of things like that that are like, there are certain mantras that like everybody knows because they're imbued in so many different practices, and all these practices are so action-packed with these very specific things like what I was just describing of, um, you know, cleansing and clearing at the end of the practice, um, calling Guru Rinpoche at the very beginning, which I mentioned, that that one at the very, very beginning, that was called the seven-line prayer. And um, that's at the beginning of a lot of practices, not just this one. Um, and that was one of the first things that I learned. I think it was in Bhutan when I started learning that one. Or no, I think it was in Bhutan I started learning some of the shorter mantras like Om Tare Tutare Ture Soha or um, uh, Om Mahung Benzo Guru Pema Siri Hung or Om Mane Pema Hung, which um, for like Tibetan lay people, the only mantra that a lot of them know is Om Mane Pema Hung, which is associated with Avalokiteshvara, uh, which in Tibetan is Chinrezi, who the Dalai Lama is an emanation of that. He's the Buddha of compassion. So in uh, in the kirtan world, it's it's very commonplace uh, for a Hindu mantra to be um, set to music. Uh, in the case of uh, Deva Pramal, yeah, for example, that one Om Om Tare Tu Tare, I've heard yeah, that I've one. Heard, yeah. Her her uh, arrangement of it is quite beautiful, but I don't think I've heard any uh, Tibetan Buddhist chants be set to music. So, uh, do they exist? And if so, could you tell us about that? Um, yes. So uh, there are a number of them. They're not that easy to find, but there's one in particular that I love telling people about. Um, so there's this Tibetan nun um, uh, by the name of Tsering Wangmo, which her, the translation of her name is epic. So Tsering Wangmo means long life power woman. And it's actually a, a fairly common name, Tsering Wangmo. Um, and she's like my sister. She... Um, way back, I think it was in 2000 actually, um, moved to Montana where my mom lives and lived there for many years, lived with my mom for a, a long time. And she and I were both having like really intense health problems for like years together. Um, and so we spent a lot of time together and um, she's now back in Nepal. She's recorded a number of albums. Uh, they call her the singing nun over there. And um, there's like different uh, instrumentalists who accompany her. There's a, um, I think, Nepalese guy who plays this uh, wooden flute along with her. But she has this album that is, it's only three songs, but each of them is really long. Um, and one of them is 
this thing to the Medicine Buddha that is alternating her singing and my mom reciting the text that she's singing in English. So the, the, the nun singing in Tibetan, my mom reciting in English. And I think that track is like 18 minutes long. Um, I don't know if, I, th I think it's on iTunes. I mean, I have it and I think that it's on iTunes. If I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but again, her name is Setting Longwell. Um, and she's a very sweet, very dedicated practitioner. Um, she she loves Tara. She's very devoted to Tara. So, yeah. Any other questions? For the green uh, Tara, mm -hmm. the mantra, did you explain the translation for it exactly? So that's tricky because each one of the syllables is like a whole concept and there's no like really direct translation. And even in the in the text that I was reading from, um, it gives the English translation to like everything but that and the hundred syllable mantra because <clears throat> it really is just pure arch archetypal sound. Um, and like <clears throat> there are words in there referring directly to her. Um, and then there's Ohm at the beginning of it, which, you know, uh, Ohm is a whole concept and is in and of itself. Um, but this is another case of just like it doesn't really matter what the words mean. You just let it wash over you and trust that they're really powerful. Um, yeah. Because it is like basically just primordial sound um, that is specifically designed to call her in and, and to bring on the, the feeling and the essence of of great mother, ultimate mother. So, yeah. What's a good way to start a practice? Is this a good place to enter or not? That is a really good question. Um, so how do I answer that? Uh, I would say this, this practice is not like necessarily where you would want to start just because it's so complex. Uh, it's great if you have someone around who really knows how to do it, who can regularly walk you through it. And um, I do plan on leading this here in Miami uh, monthly <clears throat> whenever I'm in town and probably in New York when I'm there. Um, if you want to start having a, like, a regular practice at home, uh, I would say to start with something more like, you know, insight meditation. But, uh, you know, you can just start chanting the green Tara mantra, which is very simple. Om Tare Tu Tare Ture Soha. And just imagine yourself as her and feel that feeling of like the ultimately compassionate, loving, but fierce mother. Um, and, you know, there are plenty of practitioners that like all they do is green Tara practice. And you like, like I said, this practice, all these practices are so action packed that you could pick any one deity practice and use that as all you really need to reach enlightenment. Most of the time, people use a, a combination of different practices to get to enlightenment, but you could just use this. Um, so I guess it, really what I would say is um, green Tara practice is kind of a spectrum of, you know, you can get a lot of benefit out of just imagining yourself as her and not even saying a damn thing. Or you can add the mantra to it and it adds another layer. Or if you really start feeling um, the power of this practice and want to throw yourself into it, like as I just demonstrated, it's like a whole thing. So, you know, that's definitely, um, you know, something that one can learn. But the, the problem is that um, 
Tibetan Buddhism is more like complex than most forms of Buddhism in terms of like all the like ritual and fanfare and mantras and all that stuff. Um, Partly because uh, when Buddhism was brought from India to Tibet, um, it was combined with the pre-Buddhist religion of Tibet called Bun that was um, very like ceremonial, ritualistic, kind of shamanic. Um, and that's why Tibetan Buddhism has like so much more like pageantry and color and ritual than any other form of Buddhism. Um, my experience really is mostly just with Tibetan Buddhism, but from what I've seen and heard, other forms of Buddhism like um, uh, Theravada and Mahayana. So Theravada is basically like Laos, Vietnam, Thailand, and a few other little little areas right around there, Cambodia. You know, like some of them like have some like color and fanfare and stuff too, but it's like Tibetan Buddhism is so much more complicated. So that makes it harder to break into if you want to really get into it uh, when you're not like somewhere in the Himalayas where that's like more easily accessible, you know? So, um, it is more and more accessible here, but, um, I would say a great place to start is my mom's book and the other things she offers on her website, which I'll put in the show notes, uh, cause she really designed it all for beginners. And then there are a lot of other great teachers out there of, you know, there are things that, that like all Buddhism kind of shares, more entry level friendly practices like the four immeasurables uh loving kindness compassion sympathetic joy equanimity um and the meditation practices associated with each of those one of which i did a, a recent episode on on compassion and also just basic insight meditation you know uh, you may have heard of the term vipassana which is meditation practice that as far as I know, pervades all the different forms of Buddhism. They have it in, in Tibetan Buddhism too. So just one last thought I want to leave you guys with is, um, again, back to what's going on, you know, politically, et cetera, in the world. Remember the feelings that came up for you during this practice, how powerful it felt, what it felt like to immerse yourself in these powerful p- feminine qualities of this goddess and see if you can find little ways to conjure that within yourself in order to fill the world more with that energy as often as you can. You don't have to know how to do this practice in order to do that. So thank you guys. If you've appreciated being able to learn more about Tibetan Buddhism in this episode and the previous one, please drop me a line at info at a show of or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at A Show of Hearts. That way, I'll know to keep putting out episodes on this subject. And, if you're feeling called to explore Tibetan Buddhism more deeply, you'll want to connect with a real Lama who's deeply trained in this system. Like I said, I'm not ordained or certified. I'm just sharing my own experience and some of the more entry-level practices that anyone can do. There are many, much more advanced practices that need to be taught by an actual Lama. For beginners, I recommend my mom's book, Why is the Dalai Lama Always Smiling?, as well as the materials on her website. And for more advanced practitioners, you can find information about my lama, Tuku Sangak Rinpoche, as well as his brother, Namchak Ken Rinpoche, at awam.org. That's E-W-A-M dot org. 
You can explore these links and more in today's show notes. Or if you want advice on how to get more involved, you can write to me at info at a show of Thank you for listening to a show of hearts. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe in iTunes and share it with your favorite people. Visit our website, ashowofhearts.com, where you can sign up for emails and explore all our episodes in depth. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at A Show of Hearts. Remember to choose courage, even when it's scary, and join me in igniting the world with our hearts.